This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with NTEU Chapter 49 and a retiree. And we're back again with uh, NTEU Chapter 49 President Duncan Giles. So uh, last, I think it's the first time in three weeks, it's just the two of us, Duncan. I was going to say no guests this week, but uh, already lining up interested parties for uh, future podcasts. Well, the reason I, I brought up brought that up uh, particularly is because uh, we had a terrific, and I've had a lot of comments from people on our discussion uh, with Tony Reardon, our national president. He was, he was a terrific guest. But just for people who, who need to understand that we didn't have time to get into this because we had a lot of other things to talk about. We had like monumental technical issues with that podcast and i want to thank tony for coming up with some solutions and we just couldn't get certain i won't talk about whose fault it was and these things just happened it's, i'm not going to place any blame but my gosh it, these were monumental problems i've done a lot of podcasts and i've used skype and i've used zoom and we had one glitch it just would not fix itself so we ended up doing a conference call and he was very kind to use his system and help us with that but i I, uh, I I really appreciate the fact he was so effusive in his praise for our podcast, and that he seemed to enjoy being on, and he wants to come back again, which we will surely do. That's that's the scary part is he went through it with us, and he wants to come back again. Yeah, now, <laughs> now that he's experienced being on a, I think he does pro- probably prefer us to the Washington Press Corps, though. I I would think so, yes. (laughs) Which he deals with on a regular basis. Well, let's get to our issues. And, man, there's always issues, and especially this particular point in our history. Um, I just want to start off with COVID. And and, and there's so much going on now. And you've tried your best to get the membership up to date through email and any other, and this podcast, and any other mode of communication that you can use. But there appears to be something that I am seeing, and I want to just a, a general statement because you because I help you with communications, you do share with me the summaries of what IRS and NTEU are talking about at the national level. They have regular conference calls. I think it's several times a week, depending on the week. It's the uh, NTU officials and the uh, some top officials. At IRS, but it's always interesting when an NTU wants to talk to a certain official, he or she just doesn't always seem to be available at that time. So my question to you is, are you seeing the same, I don't know how to describe this, uh, general atmosphere of these meetings are getting more contentious as the weeks go by? The way that I would look at it is at first, you know, the IRS was like, okay, we need all the help we can get. We're trying to figure out what to do. We're sending everybody home. We're going to have them work from home where they can. If they if their work isn't portable, not a problem. Now that it's getting closer that we've opened up some states, uh, we're opening up more uh, on Monday, including Indiana, and then opening up the rest of the country two weeks after that. Their enthusiasm for the employees' needs seems to be waning more than a bit. Um, they just are more interested now in, okay, how do we get everybody back up and running versus is this the right thing to do versus what we think we have to do? 
Yeah, I won't get into some of the details here, but yeah, I'm just just reading those every every time there's an update. I the most recent one really kind of knocked me down and bowled me over. I guess it's a better way of saying it because it really seemed like there was not there wasn't a whole lot uh, of love and 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 hand holding in that one. Let me start off with uh, something we've talked about before, but it's we're, since we're coming up to reopening. Uh, Almost all the operations at some point in the next few weeks that are not already operating, uh, we've talked about self-certification because uh, there will be some employees who are, because of age, because of health risk, or a combination of both, will be self-certifying as high risk for COVID. These employees will remain on, on what's called safety leave, weather and safety leave, which means you're paid but cannot come into work. Uh, there is some information available uh, from government agencies, particularly the CDC, about how you define high risk. And I think you're going to be sharing that information with the membership soon. So please uh, tell us more about this. Yeah, I will be sending out something that is um, a link to the CDC that talks about exactly what is needed uh, to qualify for that. When you're talking about things like um, you know, older adults, 65 or older, um, you know, with things with certain conditions. Now, the thing that's come up is the CDC made some adjustments uh, back at the end of May. So it was pretty wide open where they were saying just about anybody with anything was high risk. And now they're saying there are only certain underlying conditions that, that come with that. Um, you know, when you're talking about, you know, obesity, well, it has to be morbidly obese, basically, uh, serious heart conditions, not high blood pressure, but a serious heart condition. Um, you're in a weakened immune state from, um, you know, something like an organ transplant or things of that nature where you're, uh, you're immune commune, uh, compromised. So they've really narrowed this down. So, I want to make sure that everybody is sure when they self-certify, whether it's um, somebody from the call site so they um, do not have to report back, or it's somebody from the field who doesn't want to go back to their office at this point. We want to make sure that if they are self-certifying, that they do qualify because there's going to come a time, and I would be guessing that's in the not too distant future that it's going to be needing more certification than just self. And if you've been self-certifying that you qualify under these conditions and you don't, we don't want anything coming back on the employee. What about, uh, what about somebody who's been diagnosed by their physician as diabetic? Is, is that uh, considered high risk or do we have a good definition of that? Um, they are just um, saying that type 2 diabetes is now um, what's what have you know now they're saying type one and type two diabetes. Excuse me, because type one is usually more serious. That's why I was wondering. Because, but right. but but either type, if it's been diagnosed by a physician, and uh, you're being treated for it, that is high risk, as I understand it. Is that my understanding that correctly? Yes, we mm -hmm. have had a manager out there that said um, that it was uncontrolled diabetes, not controlled diabetes. And I told the employee uh, that I didn't realize her manager had gotten a doctor. It was uh, now a physician during the uh, 
during the pandemic, must have gotten her degree. And I said, you know, have Dr. Manager call me Dr. Giles so we can have a medical consultation and I can tell her she's freaking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Duncan, that's that you are so right. I mean, uh, out of control is not a medical uh, term, is it not? No, it is. That's this is what happens when we get some managers out here who get a little bit of information and then are saying, okay, well, I'm going to impress the people above me because I'm going to have all of my people show up. And again, this goes to the attitude of trying to do what they think is right for the service that might not be right for their employee. And that always has to be a consideration. So uh, just to be clear, uh, people should watch their government email. You will be sending the CDC guidance on what is and is not high risk for COVID. Am I understanding that correctly? That is correct, and we'll be sending that out when uh, when I send out this podcast. Okay, very good. So if you're listening to this podcast, it should be in your email box, uh, if not now, very shortly. Uh, so that's keep that in mind. And any questions, let Duncan or any other steward, you may know, uh, you know get those questions to those people. And if uh, Duncan cannot find the answer, he'll get the answer for you. I want to uh, shift a little bit to taxpayer assistance centers. You know, they're near and dear to my heart because, Duncan, you described this as uh, part of my career where I went to the dark side. That is correct. I uh, became a manager. Now, I will always argue we need good managers at IRS. And I, and I tried to be one. I'll tell you one thing that uh, I always found interesting. I'd go to these training classes and meetings and meet other managers around the country. And uh, they would constantly call me if they had labor relations issues. I don't think they always trusted their labor relations, depending on where they were in the country. And I think they just wanted another manager's take who had been a, a union official at one time. So I think being a union official can help you if you want to become a manager, just a, an aside on that. But uh, that's why taxpayer assistance centers are, are certainly dear to my heart. Uh, there has been a lot uh, going on with that, and I think one of the big issues there is that, and you have said this over and over again, and it's been reflected in the notes on all the meetings that the NTU has had with IRS management. They kept repeating and repeating uh, from the IRS management team, well, <clears throat> no idea when we're going to open the tax. Uh, we're really not looking at that. Uh, we're not even thinking about it. And like overnight, all of a sudden, uh, we're opening the tax. Um, talk about what's going on there. Well, if I knew, I'd tell you. If they knew, <laughs> it was it's exactly as you described. Well, we're we're going to open up the tax. Well, we're we're not going to open up the tax. Well, we're kind of opening up the tax. So basically, what they are saying at this point, and God knows it can change in the future, is that. Right now, they will be starting to take appointments two weeks after attack opens for only certain things that can only be done in attack that cannot be done over the phone. They are saying that they want to maintain the six feet social distancing. Of course, my question is if somebody wants to hand you a payment, unless they've got a really long extension piece or something of that nature, how do you do that? I have no idea. They are talking about that they're going to be putting in, and I can't wait to see what these actually are, sneeze guards, quote unquote, to protect both the employee and the taxpayer. 
Now, the the employees will be wearing masks because anytime you're in contact with other employees or taxpayers, you're going to be wearing a mask. The taxpayers have to wear a mask. Our understanding at this point, whether the guard service has the same understanding, I have no clue, but our understanding is the guards will not allow anyone into the tech who does not have a mask on. Apparently, and I can't wait to see if this is happening, if they do not have a mask, one could very well be supplied to them by the guard from the supplies they have there at the post of duty. Where are they getting this supply? I haven't the faintest idea. I'm betting facilities hasn't the faintest idea, and I'm pretty sure the guard service hasn't the faintest idea. But supposedly, if they don't have a mask and none are available, they will be turned away. They are not supposed to be bringing in anyone else with them. So if they've got children or friends or some of that nature, they should be waiting either in a waiting area. Uh, if it, the tech has one that allows for social distancing or outside of the IRS space. You know, mass. This, this is going to be so much fun. I mean, oh, it, <laughs> let, let me just back up a few steps here because you're going to, there's so many questions. You just touched on some of them. First one is you said that I think I heard you say that no appointments will be taken until two weeks after the TAC opens. Correct. So, what happens during the two weeks that the TACs are open when they're not taking appointments? Employees will be getting everything ready to set up for starting to talk to taxpayers. Well, that's, not, that's actually a, a pretty good way to run things. I've got to give the service credit for doing that. Well, I, I wonder how this is going to impact the, the uh, contact recording system. How are you going to record both sides with a if you've got some kind of plexiglass or something separating you? You know, this okay. is just one question. Talking? Just one question. I know it has no answer. Are we trying to throw logic into this? Yeah, I, know. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm back having a manager's meeting in, in field assistance. But, <laughs> but uh, so I think the the, the uh, you're bringing up the many issues that our our national negotiators and into you are trying to to also forward, and to be blunt, are simply not getting any answers. I think that's, that's go ahead. To be, I mean, when you're sitting there talking about how did how did NTU get notified that they were going to be taking appointments in the uh, in the tax? Well, that's because people like me forwarded information to them off of Setter. Uh, not off, excuse me, not off of Setter, off of uh, SERP alert. There was a SERP alert on that. So they didn't even find out from these calls. They get a SERP alert and oh yeah, let me forward that to you. So to forward it to National, so National can ask them, what the heck is going on? You told us they weren't going to be talking to taxpayers. Now you're sending out something saying, yes, they are talking to taxpayers. Well, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, when you learn about this and you're supposed to be notified under the law that this is happening, it's a change in the working conditions. Then you're told, oh, yeah, there was a SERP alert on that. We didn't tell you. Sorry. You know, it's a little hard uh, to have a lot of trust between the two parties when something like that happens. 
I, I can tell you from having uh, brief conversations with our um, negotiating negotiators and uh, on this that they were not happy at all about how this went. And um, Tony, if Tony was on this week as opposed to last week, he was upset last week over the awards. I can tell you he'd be going through the roof talking about this because it's just basically a slap in the face, not just to NTEU, but to employees as a whole that we represent. That's yeah, what yeah. I would have to. Yeah, I, I fully agree with all that. And uh, it's, it's time to have some honest discussions. I, I don't know if there's maybe pressure from Treasury or certain members of Congress, but something is going on here. Uh, there's a there's. It just appears, and I, I don't know what's in somebody's heart. I know there's a lot going on. They're trying to get done. But I'm thinking that uh, there are people at the very high levels of the service who are choosing just not to follow the basic labor relations laws. That's what it certainly looks like to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's move on. The tax are going to open. We'll keep a close eye on that, and we'll... We'll talk about that in coming weeks, I'm sure, just based on the questions you and I have come up with, and I'm sure there'll there'll be many more. But there are other people working for the service dealing with taxpayers, field revenue agents, field revenue officers, the tax compliance officers. Part of their job is to deal with taxpayers, their representatives, etc. Again, what do we know what IRS is trying to ramp up, open offices, get people back in the field? How in the world is that going to work? Exactly. We haven't the faintest idea. The lack of information that we're getting and that what really scares me is that they have or have not is, is stunning. When are employees going to be going out in the field and meeting again with taxpayers? We don't know. We keep hearing July 15th. IRS keeps denying it. But every time we hear a certain date, we mention it and they deny and say, no, we have no plans. All of a sudden, magically, several days or a week or so later, it turns out to be that date. So if there's a plan for July 15th for field employees, TCOs um, to start meeting with taxpayers, how is that going to work? especially in states where, um, thank goodness it isn't happening in Indiana right now, but there are an awful lot of states out there that are surging with COVID cases. We are going, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that we are going to be requiring anyone that meets with any of our employees to be wearing a mask. What happens if you're going out field call as an RO knocking on a door and the person that's answering the door refuses to put on a mask to talk to you. First thought I had exactly, and there is no answer to that, is there? No. What if you go to an office of a, if you're a revenue agent and you go to an office of a, uh, a POA or even a taxpayer, and they may be wearing a mask, but others around them that are coming in and out of the space that you're working in are not wearing masks, or if they, again, refuse to wear masks, how does that work? Do they? Do we end the interview at that point? What happens if an employee who's doing their job, wearing their mask, doing everything they're supposed to be, catches COVID, and it very possibly could be 
from contact with a taxpayer. Is the service going to be liable? Is this going to be workman's comp? Is it going to be something more? We have absolutely no information on this. The service is not given NTU nationally or locally, because trust me, I've tried to get information as well. It's just not out there that they're giving. I'm, I am unfortunately fairly confident they don't have a policy on this yet. This is a reminder to people who are listening and not familiar with labor laws. After all, that's the job of the union to do that. Uh, we need to remind people that when you take people off, I'm talking about the people, the field people you're talking about and the people in the office, the TCOs, you change their job essentially or put them on you know, weather and safety leave, but they're, they're away from being with the taxpaying public for health reasons, safety reasons. Then you bring them back. That is a big change in working conditions, and there is a requirement under the law for uh, the service to uh, at least brief uh, NTEU, and they have the right to negotiate if, if the union chooses to do that. And in this case, it hasn't happened. I mean, are we heading into a an avalanche of filings again between the uh, national and the union and the national management based, based on the fact that uh, it doesn't appear IRS is interested in just doing the basic legal notifications uh, to our union? I would hope not, but it certainly appears to be going that way. We don't want to do that. We want to work with the service. You know, this pandemic is affecting everybody. It, you know, and we want to make sure that, yes, the service has needs. They need to get the work done. Everybody understands that. But that has to be done in a safe and healthy manner. And you can't go about it willy-nilly or not have a plan for how to deal with these types of issues. You cannot put your employees in harm's way. Let me uh, move on to something else. Uh, this is a saga you've clued me in on. It's been going really for several weeks now. This is the Setter System, S-E-T. I can't even remember what it stands for anymore. I did it one time. But it's how you input your time to be paid, essentially, at the Setter System. And uh, there are two issues going on with that. One is that service seems that certain managers are still telling their employees to basically put in their setter uh, information in advance and just change it if something changes. And, of course, the union's concern is, well, employees are worried about falsifying information, putting information in ahead of time that they don't know. And what if they forget to go in and make the change if they've done the input early? They don't want to be accused of falsifying their pay records. And then we have a second issue. Of course, this seems to work. You know, some things never change at the service, Duncan. Once a system seems to be working well for several years, we have to change it and create chaos. And that appears to be happening with Setter because there's a new system going on. Could you just give us a, a summation on, on what's happening with Setter and, and the issues surrounding it? Yeah, and this one I've got some pretty good knowledge on. Uh, I This chapter, myself personally, was pretty much at the forefront once we found out that apparently somebody in HCO was giving the message that time needed to be input by close of business Tuesday for the entire week. Um, once I found out about that and discussed it with uh, NTU National, they jumped on it pretty quick. And NTU National, in the discussions with, in their uh, twice-weekly discussions with IRS, 
found that, oh, no, it's merely a suggestion to do it by Tuesday for the entire week, and then you can make changes. Well, unfortunately, a lot of that message didn't get down to, I don't know, managers who, you know, are telling their employees, you have to do it by close of business Tuesday. What needs to be done at this point on Setter is you need to input your time daily. Save it as a draft. Then you make sure to have it by, you know, whether it's if you're in accounts management at a call site, it needs to be done by close of business Thursday. Everybody else, it needs to be done by close of business on Friday. There is no requirement. They can suggest it, but there is no requirement to have it done by Tuesday for the entire week. If you get that message from your manager still, please let me know. I will be more than happy to educate them or I'll bring it to Nationals' attention so it can go through their management chain so they can be made uh, aware in a uh, fairly embarrassing manner. The, the second part to that is uh, Setter is being replaced. Um, I've, it is going to be coming out Probably in October, I believe Fast Aid is the, I think, is the uh, replacement. It's going to be similar to Setter. The reason Setter has to be replaced, as you said, it's working well. Why does it need to be replaced? Well, apparently Setter's such an old system. There are only about three people that know how to program it. One of them's retired, and they're scared to death that if something happens to the other two, nobody will know what to do with this system. So... So they've made the decision that they have to change it, and they are in the process of doing so. I've, I've had a briefing on the new system. Uh, it does not appear that it should be that. It, it's going to be a change, but they're going to try and make it look and act like Setter as much as possible. So it shouldn't be a huge change. I want to change the subject a bit. We've already touched on this, but perhaps more specifically, it's, it's good to talk about this. We've talked about the safety issues, and NTU has been very, very uh, strongly told the service that you know the, the employees need to have all the protections possible. I think Tony Reardon made that ex- made that extremely clear when we talked to him last week. Excuse me, <coughs> but I guess the question is: All right, in Indiana, we seem to be doing well, but they seem to be doing well in other places too. And all of a sudden, they had a resurgence. We could, I hope not, but it, it is always in the realm of possibility we could have a resurgence in Indiana because, quite frankly, all the, the, the health uh, experts are telling us there's so much about the virus they still don't know. Uh, so with that in mind, if we have a resurgence in our local area of COVID positives and heaven help us, we hope not deaths, what happens then? And that's a great question. Uh, when National NTU asked that, asked that very question about where we have resurgence, as right now we're seeing a rise in over 20 states of COVID, and these include some that have some states that have opened their PODs and some that are getting ready to open them. Are they going to be looking to possibly close them back down if there is a rise in cases either in the state, in the area where our posts of duty are, or in our posts of duty? which has happened in um, early on. It happened in Ogden. It's happened in uh, Kansas City. And now, particularly, it looks like it's been hitting the Austin Service Center pretty hard. 
And the IRS's uh, suggestion was, well, that's under um, service and enforcement. You'll have to talk to them. No, wait, we want to talk to the people on this call because you're supposed to be the ones with the information. Again, that goes back to we're just not getting that type of information. We know that anybody who goes into a POD of ours that's an employee is going to need to be wearing a mask. You have to wear a mask. You have to be socially distanced. You know, if your building has an elevator, there are going to be markings in it to show how many people can be in the elevator at one time. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. And in many of our PODs, we are going to be, um, they are supplying, uh, FMSS facilities is supplying some masks and a, uh, a sanitizer. And NTU's got cloth masks on order with the NTU Chapter 49 logo on them that should be showing up in the next week or so. But we're, we're very concerned about what could happen if we have a resurgence. And we're, we're still in the first wave. We're not even in the second wave they're talking about in the fall. We're still battling this first wave. And again, it comes down to employee safety. We're hammering on employee safety, and we're just not hearing that same commitment from the powers that be um, at the IRS. On uh, a couple of quick things before we uh, wrap it up. Uh, first of all, we did talk about awards quite extensively last week, yet there's another aspect of this that people need to know, and there are elections that employees need to make. Uh, there's a deadline coming up uh, on awards. Talk about that. Yeah, every year I get, con- you know, I get contacted by somebody who said, I wanted time off and it's showing that I'm going to get a monetary award or vice versa. I am urging everybody to check right now, once they hear this, go in, and if you think possibly you could qualify for an award, and again, remember, as we discussed in link last week, the pools are going to be smaller, but you know, if you think there's a possibility you could be getting an award, check to see what it says that you're going to be getting, time off or performance pay. If it's not what you intended, you need to send an email to your manager. I would do it right away, but it needs to be done by July 31st, no later than July 31st. If it is not done by that time, if you don't take a look at it you, and it comes out that it's time off and you wanted money, then they will not be able to change it after that July 31st date. Also, if you're intending to retire this year, do not put a time off. Put it as cash. That way you'll make sure to get it because if it's time off and it comes out after you retire, you do not get that award. So make sure if you're planning on retiring this year, I would definitely put it as monetary. Yeah, that election, people may think, uh, hey, we're not even over with, you know, June's not quite over yet. We have plenty of time. I I would say if, if you need to make a change with the, the end of July being the deadline, do it now. Make sure there's no glitches in the program. One last thing, and we, I think, will probably in the future, Duncan, probably uh, more than likely need to do an entire podcast on this issue alone. But please, a quick reminder, because we just I just saw something on uh, – one of the National Federal Employee uh, uh, news sites that we've had two people who have been disciplined and, and uh, 
suspended without pay for certain periods because they violated the Hatch Act. Once again, a, a quick reminder on the Hatch Act and good places to find information about it. Uh, if you if you go on Hatch Act on Google, you'll find all the information you freaking need. Um, the big thing for us uh, is do not wear anything or talk about anything on government time on government property. Don't wear a shirt or a button supporting a particular uh, candidate or party. Don't talk about to other employees or taxpayers while on government time about, oh, if you do, you know, if you don't elect this person, they're going to do this or, you know, this person's taking care of you on that. Don't discuss those at all. You can discuss it outside of work on your own time as much as you like. You can support whoever you want on your own time. Don't post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, anywhere on social media, MySpace, if that's even still live. That's pretty much gone, yeah. <laughs> as far as anybody yeah. I know using so it. Don't huh? use your AOL uh, <laughs> account on MySpace to... Uh, to on government time on government property to talk about uh, anything to do with the candidate. Make sure and err on the side of caution because they will come after you for Hatch Act violations. You will get suspended, and depending upon how egregious the, it is, you could very well be terminated for this type of behavior. So that, don't take that, it. Yeah, that's, that's yep. very true. In fact, one of the cases I saw today dealt with a postal clerk who was working their counter and made some political statements in front of a member of the public who reported it. And so just, you know, especially though, I mean, never do it in the workplace ever. I mean, that's a beginning point. But it's extra especially if you're dealing with the public, and, there, and plenty of IRS jobs do, don't ever get into a discussion about politics. And if the person you're talking to gets into it, do everything you can to change the subject or just make sure you, the employee, don't weigh in in, in any way. But yeah, we, we could probably talk about that and social media and other things involved with the Hatch Act. So we will, uh, as the election season heats up, I think you and I will try to to find a good guest and just maybe do a special podcast on that alone. But uh, in the meantime, word of warning, you know, just be very careful what you do. Uh, but uh, we are out of time, actually more than out of time, but anything, any final uh, comments from Duncan Giles? Nope, I just want everybody to... Uh to remain safe and as a firm believer in, you know, in treating everybody the right way, regardless of race, creed, color, sex, sexual orientation, anything, just be a good human being, wear a mask, treat everybody the right way. And let's, let's get through all, let's get through the 2020 madness before they throw anything more at us. I'm ready to get through the next day, but I think we need to take it one day at a time. You just heard Duncan Giles, uh, our chapter president for Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. This is our weekly podcast, the NTU Chapter 49 podcast. We will be back next week. Duncan, thank you again for your time. Have a great week. Thank you, Larry.